Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right. Welcome back for episode 95 of Freight 360. Ben, we're one episode closer to that centennial mark, man. I'm getting getting excited for it. Counting down. Yeah, man. Five more to go. Well, hey, another great episode this week. We've got Kevin Hill from Freight Waves joining us again. Kevin, welcome back. Awesome to have you as always. Hey, it's always fantastic being in here, being on an episode of, of your podcast. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And actually, you you had been on uh, Put That Coffee Down earlier today. So folks that are are listening to this later in the week or maybe down the road, go into the freightwaves.com and it's under the Freightwaves TV section, right? And somewhere it is. It, it is. You can Google Put That Coffee Down, Freightwaves. That's probably the easiest way to, to find it instead yeah. of going through the website or going to tv.freightwaves.com. Just Google it with Freightwaves at the end. And what? so what did you guys go over today? It was about uh, building the book of business. Building a sustainable book of business the right way and knowing that it's going to take a lot of time to do yep. it. That's for sure. That's absolutely true. You know, you know what's funny, actually? I talked to a guy on the phone earlier today. He worked at a, um, a larger W-2 model brokerage. I won't give their name. Um, they have three letters in their name, but it's not TQL. Um, and he, within like five months, he built up a book of, he was doing like 20K a month and GP. And I was like, I'm like, you realize that's not normal, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, I was like the, became the top five producer in the office within, you know, I was still in that first six months pool. And um, so, yeah, set the expectation up front that that's not how it normally works. But every now and then you get the diamond in the rough, which is really, really good and picks up on it quickly. So, well, I'm sure it was a good, good episode. And I still got to check that one out later, but we're going to be talking about prospecting today. It's always a a hot topic folks want to know about. We're going to talk about a, you know, a couple different ways to, you know, learn about new areas of the market and making that first contact and really just how to get the the ball rolling with it. Uh, but first, if you're brand new here, we're glad you're here. Welcome to Freight 360. If you've been with us for a while, welcome back to Freight 360. There's 94 other episodes in our content library. So make sure to check them all out when you get a chance. There's a whole lot of stuff in there. A lot of good, good stuff to consume. Leave that five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to your podcast that helps us rank higher and get the word out there to the folks who may not know that we exist. So, and share us with your friends, of course, before we get into the episode, we got to do a quick little sports rundown. I really don't have a whole lot this week. NFL hasn't started yet. Uh, I mean, I I think Aaron Rodgers is still up in the air with the Packers. Who knows? Um, Stanley cups going on. Kevin, are you a hockey guy at all or no? I'm not, but I think are the Islanders in it? No, they no, they were not. in the playoffs. So Stanley Cup right now, it's uh, you've got Tampa Bay Lightning who leads one game to none over the Montreal Canadiens. So and we we record this uh, it's a Tuesday right now. So there's another game tomorrow on Wednesday, one on Friday, and I think again like Sunday or something or Monday. I don't know, but we'll see what happens with it. I'm just not. I haven't been on, on the hockey bandwagon since uh, the Sabres started doing really terrible. Um, so, yeah, I'll be a bandwagon hockey fan probably my whole life. My energy goes into football. So, Ben, anything around the golf world? 
I didn't watch the end of the Travelers. I w- was watching when Bubba Watson was playing pretty well on Saturday, but I had read there was like an eight-hole playoff, I think, um, really? that it went into, and I didn't recognize either their names, nor do I have them at my fingertips, but apparently it was a hell of a playoff to watch. Wow. Was it just a head-to-head, two guys, eight holes? It was. Um, wow. I will give you their names the playoff at travelers but yeah i mean in fact that the headline in golf digest was um guy's name will like reach the annals of golf history because of the playoff that's crazy but it was uh, one oh eight hole harris english wins travelers championship after eight hole playoff wow it's a long day of golf right there after a long weekend of, of golf tournaments so interesting uh, Olympics are coming up. I think it's like about a month out here. You got the Olympic trials going on. Um, Simone Biles is at the gymnast, right? She didn't look too hot in the trials the other day, but everyone's saying she's still the best gymnast in the world. So we'll see. Go team USA. So good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, um, today's topic on prospecting, but first we got to mention our friends over at DAT freight and analytics. Taking the, Go ahead, Ben. Take taking the read, the, man. You taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Take a look in the show notes. There's a link to a DAT Power Express and Trucker's Edge. Trucker's Edge. Yeah. One month free with a link through. Yep. Absolutely. So prospecting, let's get into it. This is such a hot topic. And what a better time than right now with the market, the way that it is to focus on prospecting because every, just about every company that ships freight out there is having issues right now. And just to kind of give you some numbers, I did some research earlier today to try to get my stats updated. It was roughly 80% of all consumer goods in the United States are shipped on a truck at one point or another. In addition to that, I think it's like it's like 93% of all um, food product consumed in the United States is shipped on a truck at one time or another. So I'd like to know where, how the other 10 or 20% get where they're going, to be honest. I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab at it and say, you've got regional stuff that does not, it might go directly from like farm to farmer's market, farm to table, you know, local regional stuff. You might, they might not include the intermodal, like your um, rail movements, like door to door rail. Um, I don't know that it's someone's stat. So it is what it is, but prospecting is huge right now. Right. And the, 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 the more difficult part might be how to leverage a, a solid carrier network, but we're going to talk about customer prospecting today because uh, it's a great time to do it. There's, it's something you should always be doing at some, uh, some level of activity, but it's, uh, it's definitely the key to getting yourself off the ground because if you don't have a customer to move freight for, Unfortunately, you'll never make a penny in this industry. So, so I mean, that's just the the cold hard truth. So, Kevin, you told us in the past um, you you had you did a good job at kind of identifying a niche. Um, and what I want to do in this episode is kind of zoom out a little bit and talk about when somebody is brand new, kind of getting into that 
that mode of prospecting, maybe before they even identify what their niche is, but just kind of like, you know, how folks can learn about parts of the industry and um, just kind of learn about different uh, markets and commodities that are out there. Do you remember when you first started brokering? um, Do you remember what it was like just having to source leads and start making those first contacts? Yeah, you know, it was it was difficult. It, it definitely was difficult, primarily because you don't know what you're doing. Right. You, you, you don't know what you're doing, and you're making calls. You're you're probably someone's feeding you leads, and you're just making blind calls. You have no idea what these companies are doing. Oftentimes, it's very divergent companies, different, very different business lines, different industries, and it's it's. You, you throw everything down in, in random. So you might be calling it a steel producer and then maybe a food company that the next call and the call after that, maybe a retailer and then maybe, you know, a heavy industry, maybe auto parts. So it's completely random. It's oftentimes leads out of the database It's leads out of the CRM or the TMS. And you're just blindly cold calling because especially when you first come in, you're always going to get the dead leads or the leads that nobody else wants or the problem customers that people have cut off in the past. And there are notes in the CRM. So you just go out and, and make calls. And, and oftentimes you just, you can't get a consistent consistency with your pitch because you're calling different industries, different regions, different markets. And through that, you might pick up a customer here and a customer there, and you might learn more about that industry. Uh, and all of a sudden, you start gaining a little bit of expertise in whatever that is. And maybe the people around you have an expertise, or they have a, a you know, uh, they're all CPG customers or all, you know, small auto suppliers or flatbeds. And you start picking up on that. And all of a sudden, uh, you have a, a bit of a niche. And niches are where the riches are. Yes. Right? Niches have that. the riches. And just double down. You focus on that. And you only prospect people that define your persona that you've created, your key, mar- car- key target market. And you don't waste your time on things that are outside of your wheelhouse. But you have to create that wheelhouse, and it takes time. Yeah. I, so I, I love the idea of having a, a specialty in a niche like that. And you, but you, you brought up a couple of points that I want to hit on. And a lot of this comes to the way that certain brokerages will structure their new employee onboarding or their training cycle or program or their different classes that these folks go through. And I think one of the, so there's kind of two points that I thought. The first one is um, I don't think day one, you should be picking up the phone and cold calling or trying to gather leads. I think there's a, a amount of time that should be spent to gain a, a general understanding of the industry before a new broker goes out there and tries to just start landing new business. I think that's why a lot of the successful brokerages will have folks paired up with successful brokers or place as a trainee and a successful broker's team and learn what is the life cycle of this load? What benefit or value add are we actually offering to this customer? Because once they can grasp that and get their get their wrap their mind around that, they understand why they're making that phone call and what their proposal really is. Um, the other thing you brought up too is you might get some dead leads or some bad leads. I'm actually a huge fan of it when somebody's first cold calling, uh, if it's especially if it's their first time in a sales job. 
Um, it's not a bad way to practice. You're kind of getting your, your rhythm is to call somebody that, you know, is not qualified just to kind of knock the rust off and, you know, mold yourself into someone that can have a, a conversation. Ben, what do you think? The one thing that really struck me was Kevin was going through that. And what, and what you just said is the interesting thing about freight brokerages, what I've always found anyway, is that every shipper operates independent of each other, right? And it's this one industry where the customers you serve are really the ones that determine how you operate. And why that matters to Kevin's earlier point is when you're calling these shippers in very different industries, they are assuredly going to operate very different from each other and have very different needs. So guess what is gonna be almost impossible is to have any consistency within your pitch because just like Kevin pointed out, the need of a produce guy versus a retail versus someone who ships steel on flatbeds to someone who ships steel on flatbeds to a construction site versus a you know a distribution plant. Very, very different, right? Different needs, different questions, different pitches. What I think is important for people that are new or even tenured, because I've talked to brokers that are seven years into this that have huge books that are still in their narrow niche and don't know how to get out of it, is if you're going to get out of it, Pick another one, but group your prospects together for the very same reason both of you mentioned. You guys need reps and you need reps and you need consistency and you need to be able to test what you're trying against whether or not it's working. And if you keep testing what you're, if you're consistent, but what your targets are all different, how in the hell are you going to know what's working? You never know what's effective, right? You get no feedback. And I think that's another reason why no matter where you are, if you're going to get back into prospecting or trying to build your book, group your prospects by something, even if it's geographical region, they need to have something in common. So your pitch can be consistent across them, I think is a big takeaway there. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to, to hit on today too, is if someone does want to enter a new part of the market, what can they do to keep themselves educated on it and just stay in the loop? And uh, we've talked about Google alerts before, and it doesn't have to just be f- to produce new leads for you. It could just be if you want to stay up to date on the latest news for like, let's say you, like you brought up steel, you know, let's say you're going to a construction site. Let's say you're going to like a drilling site, right. And you're moving pipe, right. Where your, your, your delivery location might just be a GPS coordinate, mm-hmm. right. Um, you may want to set a Google alert or some other, some other kind of like newsletter that you're getting information on the oil fields or, you know, pick whatever niche or market you're looking to get into and start to get into a daily routine or a weekly routine where you're constantly getting and consuming new information all about that. I think it's a huge piece. It's, it's good, uh, Ben, that, or Nate, that, that you, you brought up uh, oil fields, right? And, and still pipe into oil fields. So I, the, the best place to, to find industry news is FreightWaves.com. So there you go. I'll, I'll, there I'll plug is. that right there. Um, but if you're, doing, if you're doing still into an oil field, you better know the price of steel every morning and you better know the price of oil every morning. And you better become an expert at least talking to people about the price of both. And those are the two easiest things that you can do. You don't need a Google alert. You just need to log in and basically, well, Google alert will work as as well, right? It will give you the the, the price of both uh, each day and maybe what the market's doing, the stock market's doing for both of those industries. That's just the easiest thing that you can do. And then you go in and there, there's trade publications for every single industry. You better be reading everything that touches your corner of the world. So Absolutely. I don't want to skip past the reason as to why. 
having to. That's what I was, yeah. Because the it's the correlation that goes into it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when the price of oil goes up, they want to pump more oil because they can sell it for a higher. You know, they're going to make more money doing it, and you know that's the same thing is going to go for any kind of commodity when the price goes up. So that I want to make sure we didn't zoom past that. And I, exactly right. And you have to be uh, sorry. Ben. You you have to be able to, to have conversations with those prospects. And I know that the, if you can start talking about the price of oil, the price of steel, what's going on in their, in their industry, that's instant credibility. And that's exactly it, right? It's like, how do you get, and everyone always wants to know, how do I get there faster, right? How do I get customers faster? Like this is the subjective information you need to get them faster, right? Because guess what they're talking about all day, right? They're talking about oil. They're talking with their peers, the other people that work there. They're in the oil business. That's what the topic of the day always is. But guess what it always isn't? Most freight brokers don't know everything about oil, but the guys that know what's going on in the industry can have a fluid conversation about more than how many trucks they need, about more than what type of equipment, but they're understanding what's going on. They're starting to see trends because like all of us know that like we do business with the people we know, like, and trust. Well, yes, I know you know your job. Well, just kind of take that for granted when somebody calls you like and vice versa. But when somebody bridges that gap, like you guys pointed out and you know what's going on in my industry, well, my ears pop up. Now you sound a little different than everybody else calling me, asking me for my shipping business. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It's like we said it before, put yourself in your customer's shoes. What is it that they're looking for? They want someone mm-hmm. who understands what they're dealing with day in and day out just makes the job, it makes everybody's job that much less stressful, that much more enjoyable, and just that much better overall, right? You're, you're thinking the same way and you're, you're, you're kind of living in sync with one another. So, And, and to add on, on one more point to that is that everybody wants to talk to people that they can learn something from, learn a bit of information from. But on the flip side too, everyone wants to talk to somebody who wants to learn and mm-hmm. they can teach them a little bit of information. So if you know enough to get into that groove, either or, and maybe a little bit of both, then you're going to have better conversations. And you're absolutely right. So customers can learn from you if you're up to date on it and you're giving them knowledge and that's a value add. But you can also, the more customers you talk to, you're going to learn from them as well. And I think mm-hmm. having it go both ways is that's, a, that's an excellent relationship. So good stuff. Now, I want to I wanna hit the you know, how to make the first contact. Cause I think we can give you the, you know, we can give the tips and the tricks to do this, but at the end of the day, the majority of people that fail at brokering, they're just not, their activity is not there and they're just not going to do this. Um, and that's fine. Brokering's not for everybody. Sales is not for everybody. Um, but there is a, a right and a wrong way to do this. And I, I wanted to kind of talk about uh, sales scripts versus maybe qualifying questions. There's different kinds of like, sales methodologies out there. Um, like there's the spin method. There's, uh, I don't know, Ben, you gave me like a six letter one the other day, I think. Um, but there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of methodologies and tactics out there for somebody to, you know, from that first contact and how to kind of drive the conversation. And I'm curious, what you guys think about someone as a new broker, what would be a, a good place to start when making that first contact? Right. And I'm just going to say, it's got to be a phone call. Um, maybe you send an email first or something like that, but don't expect to do your prospecting all through LinkedIn or all through email. You got to pick up the phone and make the dial. So um, kind of going through, you know, you get somebody on the phone for the first time. What are the kind of, 
I guess, uh, questions you're asking or um, how, how would that, what's the recommendation there for somebody that's trying to figure out I'm brand new at this. I don't even know what to say. Where do I start? I would say ask open-ended questions. Number one, it, it, nothing's about you, right? right? No one cares what company you work with. No one cares how long you've been in the industry. No one cares what your on-time rating is. No one cares about any of that. Ask really good questions about the business. It's all about the prospect. Uh, just always, whether it's email, phone call, text message, uh, LinkedIn message, it doesn't really matter. We'll start with a phone call, make it about them. Uh, somehow you're solving a problem, identifying a problem. You're asking open-ended questions, but don't start in with, you know, we've been around since uh, 1985, <laughs> oh 40 God. years of experience. Yeah. You know, we have trucks in the area. No one cares about that. <laughs> That's a classic one too. Uh, exactly. It, uh, ask good questions. So you brought up a, a funny thing about how long you've been in business. I, I used to sit next to a guy a few years ago and he had, I, 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 there, I got to a point where I could almost repeat his script or his spiel. You know, we, this company was founded in, you know, 2003 and, and it was founded <laughs> by, you know, three brothers. Like, I was like, come on, man. Nobody cares what year you were started in and who founded it and how the ownership changed and how the company evolved. They don't care about, all they care about is family run business. No one. Yeah. Cares. Right. That's not a good point. Always. Right. Yeah, you're, you're right. Cause a lot of, some people have had bad experiences because they don't like the family that's running the business. Right. Or they don't see eye to eye with them. But, um, and the other side of that too, is a lot, a prospect, most people, they like to talk about themselves and about the work that they do. And I like how you said open-ended questions. It's not, not yes or no questions, not, how many loads a day do you move? Like, you know, but you can ask those kind of questions as you're going through the qualifying process, but the open-ended questions, um, just kind of getting into like, Ben, I, I think it's great how you've used the, the idea of, you know, I, I don't know if we're a good fit to work with each other. That's why I kind of want to have this first conversation and just introduce myself that whole, cause it kind of takes the pressure off. It's like, Oh, I'm not getting sold, but just kind of asking general open-ended questions. Like how has business been, you know, how have you guys been seeing everything with the market, how it's been affected lately with capacity, you know, those kinds of questions. And you can typically figure out fairly quick if that call is going to go well, or if they're, you know, just not interested because they've got too many other fires to put out right now. So. And I think that's a good point too, also is to keep in mind that just because you call somebody and maybe they're disgruntled doesn't mean that's a dead prospect. It could just be you caught them at the wrong time on the wrong yeah. day and something might have just blown up on them before you happen to dial them and interrupt their day. And that's another reason why, like, I think people expectations are a big issue with this is that people expect to get business in one or two phone calls. They expect to find all of these things out. So they keep calling a, a lot of people one time instead of following up. Right. And to both of your points, right. Open ended questions. My favorite technique is just look, hey, I'm calling to see if maybe we should get set up or, you know, I wanted to find out who was the one that actually handles capacity and trucking. Oh, why? Honestly, I don't know if we'd be a good fit, but we might because it seems like we've got a lot of trucks heading into your area. Are you the one that handles that? Or is it somebody else? Like you're just trying to start the conversation. And to Kevin's point, ask a lot of open-ended questions. If you want better answers and better information, ask better questions. The conversation should in no way be focused on you at this point. <laughs> I think I want to hit on your comment of we have trucks heading in the area. So I had a, a agent about five years ago and 
he had a really a really good agency, a good sized book of business, a lot of customers, but he did a fairly poor job at training new reps that had zero experience in freight. And they're, the question that they were taught to use whenever they made uh, first contact was, or it wasn't a question. Um, the statement was, I have trucks in the area. Yeah. And it's a really good way to be a, an everyday broker like everyone else and maybe get on a, a lead list and, and work that jump ball freight or whatever you want to call it that's sent out to 50 people every single day. But it's not a really good way to differentiate yourself because um, they've heard it all the time. And they've heard it from every, you know, Joe Schmo at whatever brokerage that's out every there. Every trainee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody. Yeah. Every college kid trainee that is out. I mean, that's what you start saying because you don't know what to say. Yep. Uh, if you get your prospects together in, in a niche and you start asking questions, you're going to find out what works and what yeah. works for, for Nate and it might not work for Ben, might not work for me. We're all going to find our own styles uh, of what works, what we can do. And, you know, my, I, I, I've done more sales just fishing for information. Not even I, the, the less I try to sell, the better I do. And that's because I, I might hear something. Let's go back to oil, right? I might, might call on somebody and someone tells me a little tidbit uh, about, you know, maybe problems with certain raw materials, right? Well, my next call, I'm going to say, hey, are you having the same problem with raw materials? You know, just out of curiosity, I keep on talking. To and all of a sudden you're in a conversation and you have no idea where it's going to go. But being a real honest to live um, conversation is is where you want to be anyway. Before you even start thinking so about big. I've said that, and Nate and I did this thing on that. Where I mentioned it earlier today on prospecting with a purpose, and that's really what that mm-hmm. is. Is somebody asking like, "Well, where did you learn about these to begin with?" And I'm like, "To be honest, when I thought about it, I learned about them from my prospects because I asked questions I didn't know the answer to. I learned from them, then I used that information on the next call, and then yeah. they told me a little more, I learned a little more every day. I'm like, "Yeah, I only might have had two good conversations today, but." I really learned a lot from those two people. Well, yeah. the next day you use that information and hopefully you'll learn a little bit more the next day. There's another piece too I want to hit on is that your prospecting brain and your activity does not have to turn off the second that you clock out if you're at like a, a big box brokerage. <laughs> so literally, I'm, so I play in a golf league every week and I was paired up with a team last night and the one guy, we, you know, everyone's like, hey, what do you do for work? Yada, yada, yada. And I always keep it very brief. Ah, I work in logistics, supply chain, freight, yada, yada. And the guy's like, oh, he's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a food broker. So, you know, I buy and we buy and sell um, food product. And, you know, we, and I didn't really, I, I didn't try to like ask too many questions about like, hey, what are you guys moving and when and stuff like that. I just started asking like, oh, what have you guys seen lately? And we just started having a conversation about what he does for work every day. And and he's like, so what company do you work for? And I was like, oh, actually, you know, I'm with a, a freight brokerage. And he's like, oh my God. He's like, we've been having issues. He's like, when we're done here, I need to get your information. Um, and I sent him off to one of my agents today. So it's like, that's the kind, and that, that happened over the course of two hours on a, a nine, nine holes of golf. But um, that could happen if you're out at a, you know, at a bar or if you're just out at like a happy hour or what, whatever the case might be. Um, I had it happen. Um, grabbing dinner one night with friends and we sat at the bar and some guy near us heard us just talking about whatever. And he's like, Oh, I, I ship. It was like uh, some kind of like carbon bulk carbon something. Right. And he had the same kind of issue was like, Hey, can, can I get your information? So sometimes this stuff, if you just kind of always have that prospecting brain turned on and tuned in a little bit, you can generate leads in a lot 
you know, a lot of different ways besides sitting behind a computer typing stuff into Google. So well, I think what's interesting that that example also points out is that like, that's how trust is established, right? You talk to this guy, plan I had to let him win him. though. Well, yeah, <laughs> he earned the win. <laughs> aside, aside from that, it's like you guys probably didn't talk about anything as it relates to actual shipping, but the guy built trust by talking about things that interested him with you over a two hour period, which is about a dozen phone calls, eight to 10, right? Like you were able to accomplish it in a shorter window. And that's why, like, another thing is, yes, you should have the questions you need to qualify and you need to understand operationally to do the job. But a lot of your conversation with your shippers should hopefully be about interests they have, things outside of it. I mean, I know it sounds like really cheesy to ask somebody about like how the weather is or what's going on there. But if you can segue outside of transportation to get them to talk about anything, that's really how you can build trust a lot quicker. I want to add the thing here too, and everyone's going to be a little bit different, but the start of a phone conversation Everyone has a little bit of a, a different comfort zone and you could even call it a niche for their opening, right? Some, some people will get right to sports. If it's like Monday morning, like talk about what happened in the NFL on Sunday during football season, right? Or like you said, the weather. Literally, whenever I have a first call with somebody now, I try to have some kind of humor, whether it's light or like extreme, right to begin a conversation just to kind of like break the ice, get a good little chuckle in there. And then sometimes that turns into a 20 minute conversation. And I'm like, we haven't even talked about why we're on the phone right now yet, but you can establish rapport. And some people swear against that. They're like, don't waste time. You know, get up, you know, get past that stuff and move on to the next call. Hey, everyone's different. There's no one size fits all sales technique. Just kind of test things out. And that's why I always say, listen to people around you that have been doing it for a while. Listen to their calls, listen to how they handle objections, listen to the questions they ask, listen to their opening and you can decide what you like about what they do. And you can decide maybe what you would do differently compared to them um, on those calls. And there's so much value to that. Even listening to someone that's terrible at sales is a good way to learn what, what not to do. So, you know what else we used to do to that point as, as, as it relates to like stories and anecdotes is I used to have somebody go, it was newer. And when I was training him, he said, you know, like, I just don't have the stories you have. Like I have, I'm younger. I haven't done that much. Like, you know, how am I supposed to know all these stories to relate? And I'm like, 50% of my stories aren't my own. They're somebody else's story. And I'm like, to be honest, I don't even tell them in the first person. And if you hear me, I'll be like, I will reference like my cousin or this random person that told me a story. Like it doesn't have to be you. And in the same thing in the freight world, like we used to call our operations department like once a week and go, what are the three craziest things that happened this week? And we would write those down. And those would be like the stories that you just said, the, the like openers to get somebody to like, change the topic or to just generate some interest. Like yep. you can get these from elsewhere, just as long as you're keeping your ears open and paying attention. Like that's really what matters. And the other thing I want to point out here too, is if, if these conversations go long, you want to make sure that you get a vibe for the right and wrong times to contact certain customers. Think about time zones, think about what day of the week it is, what time of the day it is. You know, if you try to call somebody and they just, you know, they've got a bunch of loads they're trying to get covered and you're trying to just have an initial conversation and learn about their business, they're probably not going to have an hour to shoot the shit with you. So and you and, pick that, you pick it up over time. You learn what, when is a good time, when's not, but always ask too, if someone says it's not a good time, well, Hey, you know, when is a good time? Or can I give you a shot later today or tomorrow? You know, that's, it's a good thing to do. 
And it's interesting prospecting right now. And I'm not prospecting in, in in freight right now, so I might be a little bit off. But I, it's it's one of those market times where everyone's looking for help. Everybody, everybody's looking for help, right? So so you have that in the down market. No one's looking for help. So it's, it's two different strategies in there as well. And Ben and I were talking about it on the um, put that coffee down. Today is is brokers just this is that one sales job that that you you don't only get nose from one side from from your customer side but you get nose from the carrier side too and it's the person like that you want to give money to yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah but it's absolutely it's, true it and right I mean now. this is also one of these times in the market that like absolutely everybody needs help in some way or another yeah. so so the most important thing about prospecting in this market it's uh, to to me I don't think it's so much about your style or your questions or your approach it's about making as many phone calls as possible because someone in in, in the first 20 calls is going to have a problem with whoever's covering their loads right now or or just can't get anything covered and they the the if you have a heartbeat uh you'll get a shot so yeah. right now it is volume now other times right it's 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 quality right but now i, I think it really is quantity over quality i and you guys might disagree no um, i don't I don't at all. I agree. I think you get the, yeah, I think you get the, I think you get the quantity now and then you have attrition over time where you start to work through the customers that aren't to be a good fit to keep for years, but you take anything you can when you're starting Mm -hmm. and everybody has a problem. So everybody's kind of an opportunity. Yeah. And the quantity, especially when you're starting, the quantity creates quality later because it's all about practice and the more calls you make the more contact whether it's emails phone calls text messages the more you are out prospecting the better you're going to get at it it's it's or you're going to be out of out of the business right you're going to be out of sales or you're going to get better so there's a thousand hours yeah ten thousand hours exactly the um activity leads to results there's a correlation and you can try to argue it all you want but there is a there's a certain amount that if you're not hitting a certain amount of activity, it doesn't matter how good you are or how quality, how, how good of quality the, the, the customer is, the results just aren't going to be there compared to the same person that puts in more activity. So uh, I used to, I had a boss that used to send uh, our call log from the day before every morning and didn't like, he would just forward it to us and didn't say a word. So like, it was almost like daunting. We're like, is it like good? Is it bad? I'm like, on the phone for three hours yesterday. I made 16 phone calls, but I, it's like, I don't know if that's good or bad. But then like, if you had, you know, if you hit a slump and your numbers are low, like, Hey, remember those uh, emails I used to send you every day? Haven't been sending them lately, but maybe I'll start doing it again. So, um, it, and here's another thing too, is the metrics of it, right? We talk about put the activity and some people will do it and some just won't. If you don't have a way to track that, it's also not a good idea. And I know Ben, you've given a lot of tips and tricks on um, how to kind of give yourself that little uh, reward, right? Like you throw a, a quarter in a in a fishbowl for every call you make, and at the on Friday that's your beer money or whatever, right? But having some way to track whether it's a call log or if you have a you know you're tracking them off in your CRM, um, if you don't know what your activity is and you can't measure that against your results, you're not going to figure out how to achieve the next goal that you want to set for yourself. So yeah, you I think that's a, a pretty big thing. 
If you don't have feedback, you don't know what's working, you can't change your approach or you can change it. You just don't know which direction or in which way to change it. And then you can't test it. So you're really just kind of blindly walking through your approach. One of my favorite ways to just remember that is measure what matters. If there's something that matters in your life, start measuring it. Doctor tells you your cholesterol is too high, you start measuring it. You, you need to go to the gym and work on something, you measure the amount of reps you're doing and the consistency over time. Like if it matters, measure it because that's the only way you're going to determine if the amount you're doing is effective. <clears throat> yeah. So one of the things that I did, I set an annual goal. It's probably five years ago. And um, I never had, it was my first time trying to figure out, I, and I want to look throughout the entire 12 months and I want to hit X amount in, in revenue um, across, you know, all everyone that's every single one of the um, customers, right? So I look at what is it that where am I at now? And what did it take me last year to get to where I'm at right now? And then you figure out if you do, you know, multiply that out times what you want your new goal to be at the end of the next year, you could break that down into bite-sized pieces, right? Look at monthly, right? Look at weekly, then look at daily. And you can actually figure out instead of being at the end of the month and you're like, oh, I didn't hit my goal. It's like, well, you should have seen that as you started missing it each day or each week before you get there. But this is how you can set goals long-term. And if you're a brokerage owner with employees or a team leader in a brokerage, you need to be doing this or helping your folks do this. Otherwise, they're not going to really have a vision and have be able to take ownership in it. So, And you both are exactly right. You know, measuring what matters, setting goals. I mean, this is what you have to do. I mean, sales is a profession. Freight brokerage is a profession. And if you're going to be any good at either one of them, you have to, to measure your activity. You have to measure your attitude. You have to set goals for yourself. Um, you know, my co-host now and put, put that coffee down is uh, Richie Daigle. He, he pitched for the Padres organization uh, in the minor leagues. And, you know, they got a lot of data on his on, on pitching, right? You go out for, for six innings, you, you know your balls, your strikes, you know your locations. Everything's very detailed in baseball right now. Every pitch you can assign and measure it in multiple ways. That's what you have to do. If you, if you are a professional athlete, that is, that those kind of metrics and, and stats are what you're looking at, you're pouring over, you're watching game film, you're watching your swing, you're watching your, your, your windup. If you're playing golf, you're watching your golf suite, you're critiquing it, you have coaching that is, is helping you out. And that's the only way you're going to succeed, no matter what your talent is. So I, I see a lot of people uh, in, in sales and, and especially in freight brokerage that they, they, they don't take, if that's your career, you better take it seriously. Yeah. But I, I've seen a lot of people not really take it seriously. I, I think there's a stat, you know, only, you know, 20% of salespeople have ever read a book about sales in, the, in their life. Right. And it's, it's hard to be successful. It's hard to be that, that, that six figure, high six figure income Superman, on the freight brokers for if you're not measuring and, and critiquing yourself and, and really working at it and practicing every day. Baseball is a sport full of stats and um, brokerage may not have as, as many stats, but there are definitely some and the amount of dials you make, the amount of time you spend making dials, the amount of time, the amount of follow-ups you have or contacts mm -hmm. you have with somebody before you either recycle the lead or um, you can convert them to an actual customer. 
Um, you look at the amount of time you spend researching parts of the market, um, how many days you took off in a certain month, right? How many sick days you had? There's there's correlation to your productivity and your, and your output. Mm-hmm. So, How many there's, minutes of ESPN did you watch during the day? There's some uh, obvious yeah. ones. Don't ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, it's good. This is a, this is a good conversation to have. And I'm curious um, for folks listening out there, reach out to us. It's Nate at Freight360.net and Benjamin at Freight360.net or leave a comment on the, um, on the podcast. Let us know what you guys think about, you know, prospecting, what kind of hurdles you're running into. If um, you know, you're struggling to pick up that 600 pound phone, right? That's uh, you, you hear that a lot as people just are intimidated by it. Um, it's, uh, it, it gets easier every call you make. That's, it's just the, the reality of it. So, um, but let us know what you think. Cause I want to, I do want to get into our Q and a here before we wrap up the episode, but prospecting is a, it's a topic that I'm sure the three of us could talk about for days on end. So we'll, uh, we'll have to revisit it again at some point. So, but first, before the Q and a, I want to mention our friends over at lean solutions group. You can visit them on the web at leangroup.com. It's L E A N. G-R-O-U-P.com. We've had our friend Trey Griggs on here a handful of times to talk all kinds of angles of the freight brokering and transportation industry. But if you've got a need to fill seats in your office as it's growing, or maybe you need some capacity reps or account managers, back office accounting, whatever it might be. Maybe you need a new website like me and Ben are about to launch. Lean Group can help you out. Check them out at leangroup.com. There is a link in the show notes. All right. Three questions here. The first one, and I can't wait to get everyone's input here. The, the user asked, how should I be doing RFPs with the crazy market rates right now? And RFP is a, uh, is it request for proposal or request for pricing? Cause I've gotten, t- I've got people that either way, your customer wants prices. It's, yeah. yeah. It's an RFP, RFQ, a, you know, I don't know, a bid, whatever you want to call it. Um, the market is crazy right now. What do we think about this? If your customer wants a Q3 or a Q4 or just some kind of a bid right now, Ben, I mean, you, you, you talked about it off air. That's why I want to hear your take on it, but what do you, what's the conversation with a customer sound like? My first question would be to ask the customer what your goal is with it. Like, why are we both, you know, going down this path? What are we looking to do? Right. Because first and foremost, as a broker, just starting to work with any shipper, you don't want to run every lane. You don't have a need to give them pricing on every lane. You're not going to service every lane. There's very little value for either party in going through every lane. So, I mean, if you're having conversations with a shipper that wants you to do an RFQ, but is also telling you 20% of their freight isn't getting picked up at all, I would say, look, you know, maybe a better time would be when rates are a little more stable. Can we start working on spot capacity right now? That's really where your need is. And to be honest, I say this all the time, you get a rate or a date. If you need it moved today, I will get you access to the market. I can't tell you what that will cost. I'll give you a range. But if you give me a rate, I'll give you a range on when I could probably get it picked up. That's probably your opportunity right now. Doing RFQs, even for the large companies, I don't know of anybody that is really trying to do these industry-wide. Yeah, and I think the um, not every customer has someone in their traffic department that's as smart as the next one, right? There's varying levels of, of education and experience in that field. And I think just like we talked about before is having the, whether it's a prospect or an active customer, have that conversation about the market and just give a little bit of education to them on, on what you're seeing. Cause you could just be doing them a disservice and wasting everybody's time. If you throw rates out there, 
that are you're committing to 90 days from now and you have no idea where they're going to go. Well, the reality is, is most people are doing it just because that's the way it's always been done. Not because it's providing value, not because it's useful and not because it's effective, at least at this point in the market. What's your take on that, Kevin? My take on it is that uh, it's, it's not going to be productive to do RFPs right now. The second half of 2021 is going to be, I, I think, crazier than, than the first half. And that could be an up or down market. I don't know yet, but with everything sitting out on the coast, right? If, if we get into sonar, you know, you see every port market is, is are, are the tightest in the country, right? 23, 24, 30% rejection rates. Now that tells me, and and Greg Miller that writes for us here at Freightways.com, he tells me, through his articles that there is a massive amount of freight, not only sitting at, at ports waiting to unload, but coming in as well. We have a consumer that's gone off the charts. We have inventory levels that are at somewhat historic lows, certainly in the, the, the short term, everyone's rebuilding inventories, no matter what the consumer does. Uh, the consumer is now out and about traveling, spending money on non-freight uh, items. So it's, it's a real crapshoot with the second half of the year. I, I think it will tighten a little bit more. Uh, I think 2021 is good. It's going to be a very tight uh, rate environment uh, and capacity environment. But there's a lot of unknowns. And, and to, to be able to guarantee pricing out through the, the peak uh, of this year uh, of the holidays is is insane because a lot of those goods aren't even going to be in position. They're, they're probably going to need to be expedited to hit store shelves. Yeah. So yeah, if someone's I, been been said it perfectly, there is why do you want to do an RFP? I, I need to understand that yeah. a little bit more. And I want to add one one thing in here too is um, there's a lot of things that affect the market and. We, just because we're, you know, we're on the talent of a pandemic and the things we've never really seen in our lifetime before, doesn't mean that's the only thing that's affecting the capacity right now. It is also a huge holiday right now. We got Fourth of July coming up on Sunday, right? Yeah, Sunday. Mm-hmm. So this could be it could be any holiday, right? It could be a produce season. It could be a, a natural disaster or something, right? There's a lot of things that are going to affect the market. And don't just think that, oh, because we'll get everything back to normal maybe in another six months that there's not another factor that's going to affect, um, you know, rates and where they're at. So, um, and these are the kind of things that you should be talking with your customers about when it comes to that bid season. And I think it's important to talk to them about it, have a real conversation about it, because there's going to be some some other freight broker who's going to say, oh yeah, $1.50 a mile. You yep. know, he's going to be the lowest bidder. <laughs> Yep. And he's probably going to initially win it and it's all going to fall apart. And you need to position yourself to be uh, there to, to pick up the pieces and be that advisor and consultant. And sorry, I'm on market street. So I have fire engines all over the place. All good. All good. That's it, a good point. And there is uh, you're right. There's a lot of brokers out there that they will bid just about at a cost and hope to make their margin on the fuel surcharge. And, it's at what they think is their cost. And when their cost actually goes up, they're not going to take all those loads at a loss. They're going to reject them. So, yeah. So, yeah, try to stay away from those right now. The spot market is a is a much better place and an unpredictable market to, to get, um, you know, pricing. So, all right, next question. How much, this is as a broker, how much should I charge or pay 
for extra stops, layovers, tonus. Um, so a lot of times your extra stops and layovers is going to be customer dictated and same thing with tonu. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of, um, it depends. Um, so extra stops I've seen range from 50 bucks to 150 bucks, depending on what it is, what it involves. Um, layovers, couple hundred bucks, tonus could be 200 bucks, somewhere around there. It, it really all depends. What, what do you guys, what have you seen for these kinds of accessorials that, uh, like extra stops, you, you, you typically know if they're going to happen, but a layover tonu, it's kind of a, it, it may or may not happen on a load. Yeah, I go with like, honestly, round numbers because the super subjective 150 for extra stops layover 250 to 350, depending on when the guy got stuck there. If he knows he's got a layover because they screwed up his appointment, it's eight in the morning and he lost the whole day, probably closer to 350. Um, industry standard, I think has been 250, but I mean, it, it's like you said, it's very subjective. If the guy gets jammed up and it's eight o'clock at night and he's got to stay over there until the morning, but he would have anyway, because he was out of hours. I mean, probably not looking at 350 in those scenarios. Right. Exactly. And the, the extra stop thing, I, I have yet to see a customer that does not have some sort of um, pre-planned out cost on that. And I also want to say, if, if you if you have a customer accessorial charge, that's not where you should be marking up and making extra profit on it. That no. should be paid through directly to a carrier. That's a if you don't do that, if you if you make a profit center out of your accessorial charges, it's a quick way to get a really bad name in this industry as a broker. So, yeah. All right, last question: Should I prospect in person? Yes. Yeah. Make sure you call and get an appointment before. <laughs> yeah. With that caveat. Yeah. Not at first. I wouldn't door knock to get like my first lead, but yeah. if you've had, you know, a half a dozen good conversations with a prospect and you're trying to get them to the finish line. Hell yeah. That's the time that if, yep. exp- if the travel expenses are commensurate with the opportunity, I'll leave that caveat. <laughs> yeah. So, and I've, so I've had um, situations where if you have a, if you have a trip in a certain area, Try to line like double back, right? Line up a customer or a prospect visit along with that trip. So you're not just all your eggs in one basket. I'm just going for this one reason. Um, or like you said, if you've got, um, you know, if, if you think the the juice is worth the squeeze, right? If it's the opportunity is big enough for it, then sure. Another thing too is if you've got someone that's local, why not get in front of them? I think those are great. I've always loved getting to a customer's facility and getting to see where they actually load and get to see where all their freight is that is waiting to get shipped out. Right. It, sometimes you can see a lot of problems that they may not even notice. Like you got, you know how many truckloads that's how many flatbeds that's going to take to move all that stuff and how long it's going to take. So yeah, it's uh, I'm a huge fan of it, but again, make sure you schedule Don't cold show up to somebody's facility. Like you're selling lawn care service or something like that. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a <laughs> quick way to get yourself let down and have your heart broken. So, but yeah, like, I mean, but I told a story earlier about, with, uh, you know, golfing with somebody last night and having the ability to just have that FaceTime and the, just the, the length of time in person with somebody is such a game changer versus, um, a, you know, a two minute phone call or a 10 minute phone call. And another thing too, if you're going to go to a customer's facility, um, and you're not necessarily the number one expert on something, you may want to have somebody along with you to kind of help out. Cause it, it's a long time. You're right. It's not, it's not just a phone call where you can, Hey, I'll call you later. You might be there for two hours. And 
if, if you can't answer every question, you may want to have backup with you. And that's where the local visits, if it's in your geographical area, just take somebody with you that may be able to help out a little bit. So whether it's a boss or a team leader, something like that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's always a good, good idea to, to prospect in person. Yeah. It, it, it just is no matter what, how you prospect really just go prospect is, I, I think it's great equalizer in sales. Yeah. Because you, you can control your activity and that's the activity you can control your attitude as well. Brent Orsuga uh, told us that last year and it, it resonates with me, your activity attitude. That's the only thing you can control. So if you really go fanatically at prospecting, there's also a book about it. That's a great book. Fanatical prospecting It's an equalizer. It'll take care of all the bad luck, all the lost deals, all the, the things that go wrong if you have a full cell phone, sales funnel. It's, it's, it equalizes everything. It's so funny. And anytime somebody's like, I don't know what to do. The answer is always pick up the phone and go prospect. Oh, I don't know if we're, we're not as profitable as I thought. Go prospect. Well, things might turn down. Go prospect. Things are going better than I expected. They won't always be that way. Go prospect. Like it's the answer to everything. <laughs> it is. Yeah. The one caveat I have to the in-person is um, there's a there's a healthy balance of how, you know, you shouldn't, every prospecting call shouldn't be in person. I've talked to so many people that um, they may have left a company and they've got a non-compete and they, um, they have to start a book a business from scratch. And they're like, you know, I've got a ton of manufacturers in my town. And I'm like, you're not limited to that zip code, buddy. Like your phone can dial long distance for free. It's part of your plan. So mm-hmm. yeah, don't, don't limit yourself to the six uh, manufacturing or shipping facilities in your town. Get out there. I mean, definitely don't leave them off the table, especially if you're right there, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta have a blend of them. Absolutely. So good stuff. Great episode. Kevin, always great to have you on freightwaves.com. Like you said, check them out. The, uh, the best, best source for your latest and greatest freight information and news, right? Exactly right. Freightwaves.com. Thank you guys for, for having me on. It's always a pleasure coming on the show and, and talking to you about Absolutely. Ben, any final thoughts here? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.